The biggest pro football overlays in Vegas are back with 12 million in guaranteed prizes only at Circa Sports. With two ways to win and no rake. Circa Million with quarterly payouts and 100% payback. And Circa Survivor. Select one team each week with no point spread. Take in the big money with 12 million in guaranteed prizes. Enter in Vegas. Play from anywhere. Visit CircaSports.com for details. Must be 21 or older and in Nevada to legally enter. Circa Sports encourages responsible gaming. All rights reserved. What's up? This Shaq Barrett, outside linebacker of the Tampa Bay Bucks, and you're listening to the Fresh Fantasy Podcast. What is going on, everybody? I hope you're having a great day today. This is Alex from the Fresh Fantasy Podcast, and this is the 30th episode of Season 3. In this episode today, we will be breaking down guys we feel are undervalued in fantasy and deserve some more love. And that may be a lot of people, but these guys are really being overlooked, and you need to be paying more attention to them in your drafts. Joining me today to break this all down is one of the hosts of one of the top fantasy football podcasts in the world. He is a former Florida Gator, known for being as sharp as a machete, but as swift as a fox, with over 139,000 followers on Twitter. He is CBS's Jamie Eisenberg. Welcome to the show, Jamie. Uh, Alex, thanks for having me on. That's a, that's a hell of an introduction, so I, I appreciate the kind words. No, of course, of course, but there's we're gonna have some we're gonna show some more kind words today on some of these players that we feel are overvalued. Training camp as we're recording this is just beginning. We're already seeing the hype on James Cook. We might talk about later in this episode and a lot of other guys. This is my favorite time of year, of course. There are a lot of beat reports that are gonna get overblown, but I'm here for the hype. I'm here for getting excited and feeding my own narratives. But I think the guys that we have on our list today are legitimately guys that are not just feeding the narratives. They're guys that are legitimately going way too late in all of your drafts right now and guys that you need to be buying in more. So you are the guest today. We will start with you. Who is your first undervalued player for today? Oh boy. Um, you know, I, I think one guy for me is is Naheem Hines. Um, obviously, uh, you know, Jonathan Taylor is is the guy there, and, and understandably so. He was amazing last year, really amazing the last two seasons. But I think, you know, what you hear from Frank Reich, and I got a chance to speak to their offense coordinator and their running backs coach this offseason for a story that I did on Taylor uh, for our, our site and also for our, our magazine that we partner with Beckett Sports. Um, they're going to use Naeem Hines quite a bit in the passing game, and it makes sense. You know, I mean, you saw they kind of went away from it last year. Uh, I know that bothered Frank Reich a little bit. Um, I think, you know, when you look at this receiving core, you know, Michael Pittman, we all love him and, and expect him to do great things, but it's, you know, unproven guys behind him. And so I think we're going to see both those guys, Taylor and, and Hines, in the backfield quite a bit. Um, Hines is one of those guys, you know, every every couple of years we get, you know, there's always good pass catching running backs, but every couple of years we get a guy that scores, you know, north of five touchdowns, has that, you know, 60, 70 catch season. Um, that can get close to a thousand total yards and you're like oh why didn't I start this guy more or value him more clearly better in PPR sometimes okay in half PPR obviously not that relevant in non-PPR but if you're rewarding catches Naheem Hines I think could be maybe in the top five of receptions among running backs I think certainly top 10 but I, I do think he's somebody that's going to have a big season catching the ball and be a big part of this Colts offense. Well, I think the biggest thing that you mentioned is like the target competition. Like not only is he a, already a good receiving running back, but he has as little target competition as it can possibly get right now. And yes, Jonathan Taylor is in the backfield and that limits him. But again, this is a guy that literally was a top 15 running back in 2020. 
Like this, he's not far removed from that at all. And like they said, they're going to be going back to him. They're going to be going in the passing game. And anytime you can get a quarterback that likes to target running backs like Matt Ryan, a player that's in a good offense and a player that's already good at catching passes, those are all ingredients of a player that can do really well. My first undervalued player is a player that also sticks with that same theme, and it's Kenneth Gainwell. Kenneth Gainwell is someone I'm really excited about. I mean, among this is Scott Barrett tweet. Among 2021 running back leaders in fantasy points per touch, Kenneth Gainwell was second. Here are the top seven. Austin Eckler, Kenneth Gainwell, Cordero Patterson, Kareem Hunt, James Conner, Aaron Jones, and Leonard Fournette. That is an elite list. So maybe Kenneth Gainwell is a severe outlier in that list. But again, he already showed that talent in the fantasy points per touch, but he's also playing in a good offense. He's also in an ambiguous backfield where Miles Sanders said, do not draft me this year. I do not want to be on your fantasy teams. There are reports that he bulked up another 10 pounds because he's going to get a bigger workload this year. And there's a legitimate chance he could take over as the pass catching running back in this offense. Is he another guy similar to Hines that you're also on? Or are you are you feeling him a little bit less on the talent side of things with all the running backs that are in that backfield? You know, I, I think for I am feeling, yes. I think for, you know, one thing that I'm I'm hoping we don't get is we don't get a Jordan Howard type guy brought in, you know, because yeah. I think that will speak volumes to where they are with Gainwell and certainly being, I don't know, the direct backup to Miles Sanders. I don't know if he needs to be in that particular, you know, putting that painted that particular brush of, you know, has to be you know, just waiting on a Sanders injury because I think he'll play regardless. Um, you know, I, the, the thing that will be curious is what happens if Sanders does miss time, which has been the case, you know, he's missed at least four games each of the last two seasons. Will Gainwell get the majority of touches? Will it be a Boston Scott situation? You know, who's going to be the one scoring touchdowns? Because that's kind of been the, the problem for Sanders, and, and Scott has certainly taken over for that role when Sanders has missed time. But, yeah, I think Gainwell's, you know, uh, the Eagles, you know, I, I don't know if Nick Sirianni necessarily wants to replicate what, what Andy Reid had and even – you know what Doug Peterson had there, but I think they've been kind of searching for this next Darren Sproles. And I think he's a little bit more of a beefed up, you know, version of that and someone who can do a little bit different things and, and have some more success as more of a natural ball carrier. So uh, yes, Gainwell is somebody who should absolutely be on your radar and someone that could certainly, you know, be, be flying up uh, ADP and draft boards, especially if Sanders does get hurt before the start of the season. Well, especially when someone like Gainwell and, and Naeem Hines, these are guys that are going free in drafts. And someone like Gainwell could like legitimately lead that running back room in touches and you can get him at running back 50. I mean, these are the exact guys that, okay, let's grab him. If he doesn't succeed week one and you know the next Elijah Mitchell comes out, go grab him. But there's a chance that you grab Kenneth Gainwell at the end of your draft and he ends up getting the most touches week one. And then look, you have a running back one on an Eagles offense that I think is going to be even better this year once they added in A.J. Brown. So I... I really like Gainwell. I really like Heinzink. Those are the exact guys that you want to be targeting in your drafts. We'll go back to you for your second undervalued player. Love the setup for Ramondre Stevenson. Um, you know, as we saw last year, you know, stepped in and played well when Damian Harris was banged up. And, you know, we'll see if Harris can survive another season. Uh, you know what this, this Patriots <laughs> offense is trying to do. They're trying to get a little bit more modern. So, you know, they bring in some additions in the passing game. Uh, Devontae Parker, Tyquan Thornton, you know, and so – uh, better Mac Jones, you know, that's all we keep hearing. So I'm expecting he's going to at least be uh, whatever progress he makes in year two, he's going to make progress, you know, so I think they'll trust them a little bit more. Uh, I don't think this is going to become the 20, you know, 2007 Patriots where they're throwing the ball over the place and Mac Jones is, you know, making historical strides. But um, I still think this is going to be a run first team. And, you know, even with uh, the lack of a true offensive coordinator and losing Josh McDaniels, I'm sure Bill Belichick's mantra is still going to be the same. Run the ball, rely on our defense, not make mistakes, not put too much on our quarterback. And so first you have the handcuff uh, lottery ticket type of, you know, appeal for Stevenson if there's a Harris injury and knowing that he could step into that role. But I think he'll also play alongside Harris 
And then the other part of it now is James White opening the you know preseason urban training camp on on the pup list. There's a lot of talk about Pierre Strong maybe filling in that role as the pass catching back, but I think Stevenson has shown them a little bit last year and shown them a little bit this offseason that he could also fill that role. And as we saw early in the season last year, James White, I think, had two games with six catches in the first two games of the season. Certainly he was he was targeted heavily to open the year. Uh, Stevenson could be a big weapon for for Mac Jones, you know, even if uh, James White um, is, if, if James White is out to start the season. So uh, Stevenson's got the lottery ticket upside. He's got maybe the pass catching role if if White is not there. And another guy, you know, kind of in the same range of the two that we talked about with with Hines and with. Gainwell, probably a little bit more of, a, you know, an appeal for for Stevenson because I think people, you know, if you are looking to get a piece of a backfield that you know is going to be run heavy, he, he maybe fits a little bit of a different mold than those two guys. But uh, another guy I think that we'll see, you know, more positive reports this training camp will make his ADP rise as well. Well, I agree. But beyond that, all the underlying efficiency is, is in on Ramondre Stevenson. I mean, he was PFF's third highest graded running back in the NFL as a rookie, not among rookies, like in the NFL. He also broke a tackle at the fourth highest rate among all running backs last year. You know, he reportedly, according to the beat reporters, has impressed everyone in Foxborough this offseason for whatever that means. But beyond that, I think the interesting thing to note is that, you know, reports have said that James White might not be ready for the start of the season. That is, he's still having hip issues. And I know that they've talked about Pierre Strong, but Ramondre Stevens said the biggest part of his game that he wanted to work on is his pass catching. And Ramondre Stevens, not known as a pass catcher, well, neither is Damian Harris. So if Ramondre Stevenson really did improve his pass catching, and we saw hints of it last year when he did catch the ball, he could be the pass catching running back, but he also has a lot of upside should something happen to Damian Harris. And I think he's only going to get better going into his second season. So I think a lot of things are pointing up for him. And I love targeting good running backs and good offenses, similar to someone like James Cook, who's the next guy that I wanted to talk about sticking with this team of guys that can catch passes. James Cook Again, the the reports out of camp so far have been great, but the biggest thing about James Cook is that, you know, he has the pass catching ability. He's in an ambiguous backfield where the only guys that he needs to get over are Devin Singletary and Zach Moss, who've been very inconsistent so far in their careers. I know Devin Singletary had a great stretch to finish last year, but he wasn't a good pass catcher. And this team loves to throw the ball a lot. They don't like to run the ball a lot. Again, James Cook also in a great offense. But the most interesting thing I found that Dwayne McFarland from PFF put out the other day is that among running backs that are going a lot higher in high stakes leagues versus ESPN leagues, James Cook is one of those guys listed. He's going almost 30 spots higher in high stakes leagues than he is in regular ESPN leagues. A lot of sharp people are very on James Cook and really see a lot of upside. And like I said, it's another pass catching running back in an ambiguous backfield that could legitimately take over as the running back one. And he's Dalvin Cook's brother. Cook brothers have a have a little bit of a good history in the NFL for what that's worth. So is James Cook another guy that you on? Or are you more going towards some of these other, you know, handcuff type running backs? No, James Cook is certainly in this in this range of, of guys that we've been talking about. Um, the one thing that I'm curious about, you know, you, you sort of mentioned this, and, and I just don't know what the answer is. If Devin Singletary goes down, does James Cook become their RB1? You know, Zach Moss is still on the roster, you know, so we'll see what happens with his role. They bring in Duke Johnson, we'll see what happens with him. Yeah, the he had last year, you know, with the Dolphins. I would like it to be James Cook, you know, if something happens to Singletary. But the nice thing about it is you don't have to wait for a Singletary injury to get value out of James Cook. You know, they, they've made it pretty clear with what they wanted. You know, they tried to get J.D. McKissick. That didn't work. You know, he decided to stay in Washington. So what they do, they go to the draft and they get James Cook. Um, you know, I think it's a little underrated, but you remember what Duke Johnson was earlier in his career. He was a pass catching back, you know. So they, they've clearly targeted a certain type of running back that they wanted on this roster. And I think that we'll see Cook used – 
as a third down guy, you know, you, you've heard some people in the front office and the coaching staff there say they don't want to maybe overwork him or put too much on his plate. They don't have to because Singletary did finish the season strong for them. You know, we don't necessarily love him in the fantasy community, but the Bills obviously value Devin Singletary to a pretty high level. And so we'll find out again what happens if there is a Singletary injury. But I do think that James Cook will have a role in the passing game, could lead them in receptions from that position. Uh, we're going to see a much more diverse Bills offense as well. You know, what the things that they've done and changed, you know, moving on from Beasley and Sanders. Uh, Crowder obviously can play the Beasley role, but I think we'll see obviously more from Gabriel Davis. Uh, Stephon Diggs will do his thing. We could see some more two tight end sets because now that they've established Austin Knox and they bring in O.J. Howard, if this pedigree can ever live up to what the potential is, um, or is potentially ever live up to the pedigree is, then you know we'll see what you know uh, what kind of his role is. But yeah, I, I think James Cook obviously offers a lot. Uh, the question will become though, you know, if if Singletary goes goes down, is he a league winning type of guy? I hope that's the case. Yeah, well, especially like we said when when they they targeted J.D. McKissick last year, and then they go in and draft someone like James Cook. I think that speaks volumes, like you said, and how this offense is changing and what they want to do. But I think the other worry about that is okay, like. Josh Allen's probably still their goal line running back. So what is the absolute upside for Cook if he might not even take over as the running back one in uh, carries, you know, should Devin Singletary go down? But is he also going to get enough volume, like, inside the five? But, again, at the price point that these guys are going, like Ramondre Stevenson or Naeem Hines or Kenneth Gainwell, like, these are guys that legitimately could have really big roles in their backfields, and I think that's exactly why we're on them. But going off a of running back, we'll go to a different position. We'll go back to you. Who is your third undervalued player? Yeah, I'll go uh, Michael Gallup at wide receiver. Um, he's he's got to prove that he's healthy. Obviously, you know, coming off the uh, the ACL tear from last year. But I think you know you you see what his role will be when everybody is is healthy. And you know, we're we're hoping for Jalen Tolbert to step in and play well. Uh, we'll see if James Washington offers anything. But there's a lot of targets vacated without Amari Cooper and Sed Wilson there. You know, we're expecting, you know, clearly a lot to go to, to C.D. Lamb and Dalton Schultz, which it should. But there's still an opening. And, and Dak Prescott loves Michael Gallup. You know, you go back to that week one game last year uh, before Gallup had the calf injury. And he had seven targets in the first half. You know, they're not afraid to use him. They're not afraid to use him, I think, in a variety of roles. Probably a little bit different than maybe what the perception is that he's just a deep threat. I think he can certainly do more. You know, he showed that before C.D. Lamb joined the team and when it was you know, kind of the transition to Amari Cooper. You know, he was Dak Prescott, one of Dak Prescott's go-to guys there when they were sort of figuring out their receiving core. And so uh, spending the money to keep him, despite the fact that he suffered the injury, I think speaks volumes. We know this is still going to be a team that's going to score a lot of points and certainly do it through the air. And so Michael Gallup, you know, kind of with the theme that you've been giving of, you know, these guys that are free on draft day, everybody kind of overlooks him because he's hurt. And so uh, we'll see what the training camp reports are once they report in Oxnard in California and hopefully get going. And you know, if he can be one of these miracle guys that can avoid going on the pup list to start the season, then you get the early season value. But he's somebody that I think if you're in the Marquise Brown camp, uh, great guy to pair with because Brown's going to go probably in that round four or five range. Um, mm -hmm. We know come week seven, DeAndre Hopkins is back. Probably by week six or seven, we're going to get the best of Michael Gallup for the rest of the season on. At least that's the hope. So, you know, kind of make that transition if Brown does struggle a little bit just because of the competition for targets. So just a strategy you could also employ if you take Marquise Brown early, maybe take Michael Gallup a little bit later. Yeah, I like that. Where what do you think Michael Gallup's ceiling is for this year? Like let's say he comes back by week four or five, or maybe even earlier than that. Where do you think is the best that he could possibly finish after he comes back? Yeah, I don't think he's gonna be a top 20 guy, you know. So you gotta yeah. have your expectations in check. But you know, when you play in three receiver leagues, most of us do. You play with a three receiver league and a flex, with most of us do. Um, you know, he can certainly be in that third receiver role, be in a flex role. I would say probably a top 30 receiver is maybe the ceiling. Um, and again, we're talking probably points per game as opposed to total points because he's gonna miss some time. So 
you just have to understand what he is, you know, but again, uh, you know, you, you sort of have laid it out with, with a lot of these running backs. If they get off the slow starts or you're just not comfortable and there's somebody out there that you can make a move for, these are easy guys to move on from. But the upside could be pretty nice if Michael Gallup does become that guy that he was once upon a time and maybe the guy the Cowboys are hoping to see. Exactly. I think another guy that um, I really, really like that, again, is another wide receiver that's going later. Not necessarily someone you can really drop after the first couple of weeks. Definitely not. But Traylon Burks is that guy for me that I love where he's going right now. I mean, he's going in the mid 40s across most formats right now and in drafts. And, you know, everyone knows that he was drafted in the first round of the draft. But his biggest competition for targets is a 30 year old Robert Woods coming off a torn ACL and, and maybe Austin Hooper. But the biggest thing I like about him is the fact that not even the talent, the fact that 67% of the Titans targets are up for grabs this year. And he's currently is the wide receiver 44 on underdog. Diana Rossini of ESPN also said recently that she's heard a lot of really great things about Traylon Burks, that he's lost weight, he's in shape. He really took the coaching to heart. But the other thing that I really like about him historically is this by my friend Dynasty IM on Twitter put this out, that wide receivers, they hit these three marks, alpha size, early declares, and first rounders. The players that just hit these three, which Traylon Burks hit all three, 19 out of 22, 22 of these players over the last 10 years have hit a top 36 season. 18 out of 22 have hit a top 24 season. 12 out of 22 hit a top 12. 10 out of 22 hit a top five. And seven of these 22, almost 33% have had multiple top five fantasy seasons. These players, especially like Traylon Burks right now where he's going in drafts, that have good draft capital. They're hitting these marks of early declares, first-round wide receivers. They have the size margins. And the guys that clearly have all that talent there are the perfect guys to draft, especially in an offense like the Titans that have so much targets up for grabs and not a lot of competition. I think Traylon Burks is like the perfect target to get in the late in the middle late middle rounds of your drafts. What about you? How do you like Traylon Burks? Do you think I'm getting a little overexcited about the dip right now? I, I don't, you know, I, I think, you know, when you said uh, 67%, I thought you were going to say 67 seconds after they traded AJ Brown, they said, like, <laughs> the Burks, which is basically what it felt like, you know, I mean, they had a guy in mind, you know, when moving on from their number one guy. And like you said, you know, it, I find it funny when a lot of people get, I don't want to say overexcited, but, you know, lean more toward Robert Woods over Traylon Burks. And I understand why, you know, he's proven, he's certainly coming from a situation with the Rams when he was healthy, he was successful. Uh, but you said it, he's 30 years old. He's coming off an ACL tear and he's got to, you know, sort of reinvent himself a little bit. And an offense is not going to be as creative, certainly not going to have the same type of volume. And really we saw Robert Woods struggle early in his career in Buffalo, go through the Rams car wash with Sean McVay and come out on the other side, like a different player. And he's going to be a different player in Tennessee as well. This is the type of guy in terms of Burks who could be similar to AJ Brown because of some of the plays that he'll make and the, and the routes that he'll run. And I think how they'll use him. And so, you know, for, for what you're saying, and I, I think your beliefs, uh, the best thing that happened to you is he couldn't make it through minicamp practice. And he seems like he's out of shape because it's going to drive the price down. And then you get a player who could be a difference maker. So it's going to be really fun to see how these rookie receivers go, you know, between London and Burks and Wilson and Olave, you know, you could, you know, Jameson Williams uh, when he's healthy and all these guys just to see who's going to be the best. And, you know, maybe not just their rookie season, but certainly long-term for those of us that play in dynasty leagues. Uh, but Traylon Burks to me was always the second guy. I like Drake London just a little bit better, but uh, he's right there. You know, it's basically one and one A. And, and I think Traylon Burks has uh, got as much upside as anybody. The question that becomes clearly is, is the volume going to be there for him to support him? Uh, and can he step in right away and be a difference maker as a rookie? I'm excited to find out.
Definitely. I'm super excited too. And I think too often when we see these first round type wide receivers faded, it, it never ends up going well for the people that are fading them. We saw with Jamar chasing the drops last year. These are the guys that you want to target and buy the dip when there is one because they're going to come flying up ADP. We are one Traylon Burks highlight in, in training camp away from him rocketing up boards or one big play in preseason games. So now it's the time to buy because, okay, even like, let's put it this another way. Even if you don't want Traylon Burks on your team, Draft him right now because if he's one play away from you being able to trade him for a much better player, he's a good investment that you're also making, even if you don't want him on your roster. I think you should, obviously, but I think that's another reason that you should draft him because his value is not going to get any lower than where it is right now as a first-round wide receiver right now. But that is someone that I'm really excited about. But we'll move on to our fourth player. Jamie, we will go back to you. Who is your next player on your list you feel is undervalued? Uh, Tim Patrick. You know, you look at this Broncos receiving core, obviously there's – there's two headliners, you know, Cortland Sutton has the the one year of, of production, his sophomore season before he suffered the ACL tear. And Jerry Judy obviously is the guy that, you know, we're kind of waiting to see what's going to happen there. But, you know, Tim Patrick's kind of been their steady Eddie. Uh, he's been their injury guy. You know, when he, yeah. when we saw the Sutton ACL tear, you know, he stepped up. He had a big season two years ago, at least by, you know, standards of, of what the Broncos passing game has been because of the lack of, you know, quality quarterback play. And then last year when Judy missed time with the ankle injury and dealt with some other problems, uh, we saw Patrick step up as well. And so we'll find out, you know, how Russell Wilson's going to lean on these guys. And he's never been in a situation where he's had to support three guys. So I don't think it's going to be a scenario where all three of them are ultra successful. But Tim Patrick's almost like the lottery ticket wide receiver. He's a handcuffed type of guy that if one of the other two guys go down, you've already seen it, what he's been able to do stepping in for them. But what if he's better than Judy? Maybe what if he's better than Sutton? I don't think that's going to be the case, but I'm willing to find out based on the fact, again, that he's sort of free in drafts. And so, you know, we'll see how Wilson does with more opportunities because I will, I do think he's going to set a career high in pass attempts going to a new team without the restrictions of not letting Russ cook. I think we're going to finally see Russ cook. And so if this passing game does explode, and I think we're going to see a lot of shootouts in those AFC West games uh, between how those all, all those offenses will go, uh, Patrick has sort of the big playability that you look for, you know, if he gets those opportunities. I think he can do a lot of things with his route tree. And it's going to be fun to watch, you know, how these guys all, all sort of compete. Um, I know speaking to um Nathaniel Hackett a couple of times this offseason already you know he said that they're not just going to put guys in certain roles they want them all to play you know inside outside do a variety of things you know so Patrick may be on the field in some different situations where one of the other two guys is off the field uh that would probably be at the detriment of people that are certainly investing heavily in Sutton investing heavily in Judy but again Patrick's going to be on a lot of my rosters I just want to see what sort of unfolds and again if he struggles early in the season doesn't get those opportunities somebody that's easy to move on from yeah, no, I, I completely agree. And I think off of that, Tim Patrick was also has been really great in the red zone where Russell Wilson has kind of thrived. I mean, Tim Patrick last year had a 30 had 36% of the Broncos end zone targets. And Russell Wilson is ranked top two in end zone throws in three out of the last four years. And, you know, reportedly we've heard that Tim Patrick and Russell Wilson have great chemistry. Tim Patrick, I know points per game finishes are better than actual finishes, but, you know, in finishes, Tim Patrick's been the wide receiver 42 and 44 in PPR the last two years, and now he's going outside the top 50 when Russell Wilson comes in. Like, I, I think the only way is up, and then he's going to beat his ADP for sure. But like you said, he has a lot of upside as that handcuff wide receiver where if, you know, Jerry Judy gets hurt or Colton Sutton gets hurt or one of those guys isn't cutting it, I mean, Tim Patrick has stepped up when giving opportunities, and I think he'll continue to do so, especially as a guy that has thrived on those red zone, end zone targets, similar to where Russell Wilson you know, also seems to thrive. So I'm super excited about those guys. My next player is also a wide receiver that I'm super excited about, and it's Allen Robinson. Talked about him recently on the podcast, but this is a man that was a top 10 wide receiver in 2019 and 2020. 
In both of those years, he beat man zone and press coverage at a top 20% rate of all time, according to reception perception. The Rams led the NFL in passing rate inside the five last year. They were second in passing rate inside the 10. Robinson's now playing with the best QB of his life. He's at this prime age of 28. And they also just gave him a 10% raise on his last contract. I know money is not the most predictive thing for fantasy football, obviously, but the fact that he's coming off the worst year of his career and they're paying him more money than he did in his last contract year says something to me that they have big plans. And I know that you know training camp hype and stuff like that isn't the biggest thing, but when there's a significant drumbeat constantly that we keep hearing throughout the offseason that this player is going to play this role, I tend to believe that a little bit more when it's coming from multiple sources, not just August highlights. And we've heard McVay say it. We've heard other beat reporters say it. They're expecting big things from Allen Robinson. The last thing that I want to mention is that this guy has never had more than seven touchdowns since 2015. And now he's joining a team with the best quarterback of his life and a team that's top two in passing rate inside the five and the 10-yard line. To me, that means Alec Robinson, the perfect target where he's going in drafts right now. He's coming off a bad year, but he clearly has the talent and he's stepping into this Robert Woods, Odell Beckham role that they were both really successful. And I'd argue at this point in their career, Allen Robinson's the most talented player out of all three. So who's to say that he doesn't finish as even like a wide receiver one this year? I think that he's going to smash ADP this year. What about you? Are you feeling the same on Allen Robinson? Or do you think that, you know, last year was a sign that he might be a little more cooked than I believe? No, I'm with you. You know, it's just a matter, I think, you know, where you have to sort of reach for him uh, if you're in the camp like we are of, of believing in it. Uh, because like you said, the ADP is still a little bit low. And, and this is one of those guys that he's not going to be a dramatic ADP riser because I think the Fantasy Pros ADP had him in round six. Uh, so maybe he gets to round four. I doubt he gets into round three. So we are talking about maybe, a, you know, a, a two round rise. Most likely probably be, he'll end up, you know, back into round four, middle of round five. Um, I do think, you know, it's it's fun. We just had this conversation this morning on our on our Fantasy Football Today podcast about Robinson, where our host Adam Mazur was sort of arguing the other side of why he's, you know, being drafted where he's being drafted. You know, I asked him this question. If it was Robert Woods coming back from the from the ACL injury and just stayed with the Rams, you know, and Beckham was gone, where would we be drafting Robert Woods right now? Probably same range, round six-ish, you know, because people still value him. Uh, if it was Beckham, no ACL tear, re-signing with the Rams and was coming in as the, the wide receiver two there without Robinson. So cup one, Beckham two, where would we be drafting him? Probably in the same range, round six. I'm with you. I think Robinson's a better player than those guys right now. Uh, it's easy to sort of, you know, follow the the negative narrative of is he cooked? Is he washed? You know, how, how much of it last year was uh, his skill has deteriorated and he just is, doesn't have it anymore? Because look, he's not a, he's not a speed guy. Uh, yeah. But you said it. He's never been with a quarterback like this. He's never been with a coach in a system like this. Yeah. You know, they see so much zone. He's going to just be, be able to settle in spots and, you know, use his body and his physicality to a different level because, you know, the matchups that he's going to get. I mean, how many times did you watch a Rams game, you know, from, from the Super Bowl all the way back through the beginning of the season uh, where Stafford and, and just seemed like Cooper Cup was wide open? You know, it's going to be fun to see Allen Robinson in a lot of those same situations. And so, yeah, I, I think he's got top 15, if not higher upside. Um, you know, I have him ranked, I think, right around 15, but would have no problem wow. taking him as my as my number one receiver. I, I just think there, there's so much to like about the situation for Robinson because he does have the ability to bounce back and bounce back in a big way. Well, especially when the wide receiver two on this team under McVay has been top 15 like the last few years. I mean, they made Rob, they made a great career out of Robert Woods. And I'm not saying Robert Woods is a bad player and they made him. No, I'm not saying that. 
But someone like Robert Woods really thrived in that role. And the player that's playing this role seems to thrive. When Odell Beckham came in, everyone thought he was cooked. He came in and thrived in that role. And I think Allen Robinson, again, most talented player out of all those. I love all the points you made. Allen Robinson, definitely a guy. I love the fact that you have him right around 15 right now. I think that's fantastic. We each have one player left on our undervalued players before we get into your 2022 flag plant. Jamie, we will go back to you. Who is your final player on your list today for undervalued players? Yeah, I know you have a, a, a guy at this position, so I'll stay with the same thing. I'll, I'll go Derek Carr, and I know your guy is Kirk Cousins, and I go back and forth about which oh, of these two guys is going to be better and which of the two is the better draft value. I mean, you know, you, yeah. you, you see they both got significant upgrades this offseason. Carr getting a, a wide receiver. I'll let you talk about Cousins and obviously the coaching change, but, you know, Derek Carr has been, you know, a, a okay fantasy quarterback. Obviously, earlier in his career when he had Crabtree and Cooper and, you know, that receiving duo – uh, never had a 4,000-yard season, but, you know, he was on an MVP track before he broke his leg. I think it was the 2016 season. Um, then he scored, sort of had to, you know, sort of find his way a little bit. But this is the best receiving core from a talent standpoint that he's ever had. You know, Devontae Adams, Waller, and what Hunter Renfro showed last year. I think Sean McDan uh, Josh McDaniel, excuse me, will, uh, you know, bring some nice things to this offense. And, and again, you know, referencing the, the Broncos, we're going to see a lot of shootouts where, you know, passing volume is going to be key. And, and I think, you know, Derek Carr is ready for that. You know, he, he's certainly shown a lot of different metrics, you know, fourth quarter comebacks and, you know, how he throws the ball, you know, down the field, all these things. I don't really care about almost anything that he's done prior to this because I think this is sort of a, a you know, reset button for him without Gruden there, uh, with a new coach, with a new receiving core, his buddy from college. Um, you know, we, we say this year after year after year, wait on the position at quarterback. You don't have to reach for Josh Allen in round two get these guys at value. And so once you get past the top, you know, eight to 10 quarterbacks, there are going to be still a few guys that can be league winning type of quarterbacks. Derek Carr, I think is one of them. So uh, love the upside for him. You know, he's not, uh, he's not a rushing quarterback. He's not going to be Trey Lance. If Lance hits, he's not going to be Lamar Jackson or Jalen Hurts or those type of guys. But if you like the Tom Brady's, you like the Dak Prescott's, you like the guys that don't necessarily, I don't know if Prescott, you know, qualifies uh, depending on how much he's going to run this year, but you know what I mean? The guys that don't necessarily have the, the 500 yard rushing upside anymore. Um, Carr's going to challenge for 5,000 yards this year. He's going to be north of 40 touchdowns. I think it's going to be a fun season for him in Las Vegas. Yeah, I love that. I think that's a fan, fantastic take. Because again, he's already been high every year. And then you add in to someone like Devontae Adams into an offense, especially when Derek Carr was literally in fantasy season till week 17 last year. He was the QB 12. He was the QB 12. But the funny thing about that, him being QB12, is the fact that he did it with Darren Waller missing six games. So now we get Hunter Renfro improving and getting better going into his next year. A full season of Darren Waller and just the best talent at the entire wide receiver position in the NFL. It makes a big difference as a quarterback. And, you know, they played at Fresno State nine years ago. So that is also something to keep an eye out for. Obviously, I'm being a little bit sarcastic with that. But I'm excited about Derek Carr. I'm excited about Devontae Adams. And I'm excited about what this offense can do under Josh McDaniels that, you know, has supported a really good fantasy quarterback before. I'm not saying Derek Carr is Tom Brady. But like you said, I think Derek Carr takes the leap. But I think Kirk Cousins also takes the leap. I mean, Kirk Cousins now has Kevin O'Connell, who was the Rams offensive coordinator last year and made – Matthew Stafford have one of the best seasons of his career, but Kirk Cousins has been the QB 13 or better in six of his last seven seasons. Literally a basically a QB one in six of the last seven years. He's been a QB one top 12 QB in five of those last seven. He was QB 13 one last year, but Justin Jefferson is still getting better. Irv Smith is still getting better. KJ Osborne is still getting better going into his third year. And they already said Justin Jefferson came out and said, I love this offense. We're going to pass way more. 
And if they're going to pass way more and Kirk Cousins has already been doing really well as a passer in a run heavy offense, and if they can keep Adam Thielen healthy for the whole year, I mean, the sky is the limit for this offense. I will be bleeding purple in my drafts a lot. I really like these guys. I don't think their defense is phenomenal. I think they could be trailing in some games as well, which could really allow them to throw the crap out of the ball, which would be amazing. So I'm with you. I think Kirk Cousins and um, Derek Carr are both quarterbacks in that range. I like Tua in that range as well, but I think those are all solid options that you can get. What if you paired them together? How would you actually, let me ask you that real quick. How would you feel about pairing Kirk Cousins and Derek Carr playing the matchup game every week? If you don't draft a quarterback early, you go running back, wide receiver, tight end, heavy, and then at the end you draft those two guys. How comfortable would you feel in that draft? Very comfortable, you know, and and it's not just you know one QB league. That that would be a good two QB pairing, a super flex pairing. You know, it's not yeah. it's not bad, and it's certainly if you like to go, you know, depending on how your your draft is. I think we're all sort of in. Uh, a little bit of Scott Fishbowl hangover, yeah. you know, with no third round <laughs> reversal. Um, you know, if you take a, a, a non-quarterback in round one, you could probably end up with, especially if you know the draft falls your way, with these two guys as a round two, round three pick of of your, you know, your two two number one QBs or your, your two starting QBs or, or one being your super flex. Yeah, I, I I love it. And just to you know piggyback on your on your cousin's take, um, you know, the Vikings actually were pretty pass heavy last year, which was a little bit of a surprise, but that speaks to sort of what you said about their defense. I do think the difference that we're going to see with O'Connell is where you knew under Mike Zimmer, if it's first and long, they're running. If it's yeah. you know second and short, they're running. You know, whereas this offense is going to keep you on your toes. They're going to throw in some non-obvious pass situations that they weren't doing in the past. And that's where I think we're going to get a lot of excitement. They're going to create some mismatches with their talent. Uh, the Irv Smith uh, return, I think, is huge. Uh, we'll see a lot more of KJ Osborne, you know, um, uh, the benefit uh, of working at a place like CBS is, you know, our reporters are, are, are connected to a lot of teams. And one guy that I trust uh, who knows, you know, some of the coaches on the Viking staff there, uh, they love KJ Osborne, absolutely love him. And we're going to see probably him on the field a lot more when everybody's healthy. And I don't think it's going to take an Adam Thielen injury for, you know, Osborne to have to or uh, get the opportunity to step up. So. It's going to be a fun offense. Really, really looking forward to it as well. I agree. I mean, Patrick Peterson, I think on his own personal podcast that if any player is going to break it. Our fight, yeah. That, oh, that was that? Well, I, I, it, so it, it's called All Things Covered. It's uh, Patrick Peterson and, and Brian McFadden. Uh, it's a CBS podcast, yeah. Yeah, I didn't. I did, actually didn't know that. Didn't he say on that podcast that he thinks if any player is going to break out, it's K.J. Osborne? Uh, I didn't hear him say that, but I'm sure he did. You know, like I said, they, they, yeah. they love him. They absolutely love K.J. Yeah. Osborne. No, I love it. And he's going into his third year. I mean, number number one wide receiver when targeted in passing rating last year. Obviously, it's a little bit of a cherry-picked stat, but something to keep in mind of for a guy going into his third year. I'm really excited about K.J. Osborne and Kirk Cousins this year. But one thing, though, Jamie, that I'm even more excited to hear is what your 2022 flag plant is, your boldest prediction that we believe in. The final question for the show today, the floor is yours. Who is your 2022 flag plant? I'm going to stay in Minnesota. Uh, it's, it's Alexander Madison. Uh, you know, he's going to be on all my teams. Um, okay. Every team that I draft, you know, we, we went through this, this cycle of running backs of, uh, or, or the conversation running backs of guys that have the chance to help you win that have independent value. He does not have independent value. But should something happen to Dalvin Cook, who's going to be 27, I think we've sort of said how much fun this offense is going to be in Minnesota. Uh, we've seen it, you know, and anytime you get a, a you know, I don't have to wait to see if, you know, Isaiah Spiller is going to be good should something happen to Austin Eckler. Or if Rashad White's going to be good if Leonard Fournette has eaten his way out of uh, his role with, with Tampa Bay. Alexander Madison has stepped into a role multiple times over the last couple of years. Last year, it was just sucked for Dalvin Cook that he had to miss the two Lions games. But, 
You know, we saw last year that that Madison is basically a Dalvin Cook clone from a production standpoint. And you're already hearing some rumblings. You know, Dalvin Cook said it himself. I think it was either today or yesterday um, that he, you know, I think the story I saw was 2020. He said he was the best back in football. Today he says we have the best backfield in football. And so wow. maybe we see with the new coaching staff, Madison gets a little bit more opportunity without an injury. Nobody wants to see that if you're a Dalvin Cook guy. But if you're getting a little bit of run from Madison, and then maybe we get the you know the the two three week injury that Dalvin Cook seems to suffer, this guy's going to win your league. So I don't know if he's going to necessarily you know th there's no real bold prediction here outside of should something happen to Dalvin Cook, Madison's going to help you win your league. But these are the type of players I want on my roster. So I'll be patient with him. This won't be a guy I drop after a couple of weeks because he's not doing anything. I'll wait it out because I know at some point, unfortunately, Cook will miss some time, and then we'll see Madison win you that week and maybe win your league. Yeah, I mean, we're in a 17-game season, which favors the Alexander Madison truthers. I mean, Dalvin Cook's never played more than 14 games. He's had a lot of different things. And again, I, both of us would rather that Dalvin Cook just plays 17 games. Yep. And he's amazing. You're not saying that you're not rooting for Dalvin Cook to be uh, coming off the field on a stretcher, obviously. But Alexander Madison has averaged close to like 30 touches a game. And it starts without Dalvin Cook. Like he is the unquestioned workhorse whenever he is out. So should he miss time and he has every year? Those Alexander Madison games are so worth it. And if you could get three games of like borderline RB1 production out of Madison and near the last rounds of your drafts, I think I'm going to buy that every day of the week and twice on Sunday. So I absolutely love that take. I think that is fantastic. But Jamie, it has been fantastic having you on the show today. It's been an absolute pleasure. Before we go, you do a lot of great work at CBS. So tell the people where they can find it, your Twitter, anything that you want to plug, the floor is yours. Well, first off, thanks for having me on, Alex. This has been uh, fun getting a chance to talk some football with you. So hopefully we get a chance to do it again. Um, you can find our podcast wherever podcasts are available, also on YouTube, uh, on our YouTube page, Fantasy Football Today. Uh, and then our show, Fantasy Football Today on CBS Sports HQ, which is our 24-hour streaming network. Uh, that starts Mondays, uh, starts Monday, sorry, August 1st, uh, noon Eastern. So that's our uh, flagship show on CBS Sports HQ. And you can check it out uh, as we you know, break down everything with training camp and get you ready for your fantasy drafts this year. I love it. That is, an, that is as good of a plug as you can get. Some people get caught off guard. You had that ready. I absolutely love it. And I've loved having you on the show today, Jamie. But more than anything, I've loved having you with listeners right along with us. It's such a pleasure to have you listening along and talking football with us. As always, we appreciate it. But the last thing real quick that you people need to know, I've already mentioned it on a lot of podcasts. We're closing out July right now. Make sure you enter the NFL jersey giveaway that we are doing. All you got to do is leave a five-star written review on any of your favorite podcast platforms. Send it to me at Alex Russo via DM on Twitter. Tweet it at me, and we will put you on the list. So as always, thank you so much for listening. Thank you so much to Jamie. But you guys already know. Got to leave a review. You guys already know what to do. And I hope you all have a great rest of your day.